Hey guys, this is part two of our conversation with Jessica. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we hope you enjoy this conversation. See you guys next week. Cool. Yeah, we, well, then we switching gears. The <laughs> starting with the fans? What? I said we started with the fun stuff. I know, right? That's uh, to draw people in. And now it's like, well, I don't know. I think like immigration is like very interesting just because it's, I mean, I don't know. It's like a whole cultural kind of tie that I have to it. But I kind of wanted to start off with like the similar question that I did with sex. It's like, um, what kind of got you interested in like um, your outreach or your, um, I guess, mentorship? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can delve into that. So I am also an undocumented person um living here i came to the country before i was a year old i was like only three months and i've grown up in la so i don't know any other i don't know any other place i've never been um outside of the country um so that that's like how my experience came to be because i didn't really have a choice in it um and i'm extremely grateful for my parents you know giving me this life and the, wanting this opportunity for me um as well but um it's been it's hard i guess right now in the last four years i don't think it's been easy for anyone um so so i am in the pursuit of a legal career and initially like high school maybe early college um like being a lawyer has always been something that uh, my dad wanted for me um, and I, I think that goes back to like this ego, like I want my um, daughter or my child to be a lawyer, like, you know, you're going to shoot high and, and sit. Um, so I always had that um, idea instilled into me, like you're not, you're going to college and you're going to be a lawyer. <laughs> um, but my interest in law, um, of course, like intersected with my life being an immigrant and knowing that like my, I had to move differently and navigate the world differently. Um, and, and of course, like keep myself safe and keep my family safe too, to not draw too much attention uh, or get into any like uh, legal problems. But um, initially, I did think about like immigrant immigration law as like something I would be interested in. And as I moved through college, um, I felt like I couldn't do that anymore. Like I, um, I think I live in this identity and like my experience, like too much to also make my career about it you know like mm-hmm. I, I really wanted that that boundary in my life as far as what I was doing for for my career and how I I had to navigate my life it is going to be too much processing other people's immigration cases when I'm always thinking about my personal safety as well yeah so so I, that's something I, I really had to to come to a decision about and that's why I also got into like working with the young center because I didn't want to be a lawyer, but I still, after um, I got involved in last year, 2019, at the end of last year, and it's just after hearing um, of all these Central American children that are coming over and the caravans that were going out, going around in 2018, uh, or late 2018, I believe, um, that was happening. And it's just like you you see and hear about all these children that are coming here um, for safety and for their own well-being, and they're coming here alone which makes them very vulnerable to the system and to predators and to now doctors that we're hearing that are sterilizing these women in ICE detention centers. So it's, it's a very heartbreaking thing to, to see. And also I think it it, uh, deserves more attention and also, and that's why like my work is in it now that um, 
I'm trying to engage with with young children. Um, as far as um, I'm assuming you spend a lot of time with the uh, the kids because you said that previously you would even help them with um, you would go to like their legal um, I guess uh, what what is it called like their cases or their, you would go with um, them. I um I got my case during COVID time, so I haven't experienced that. And if it does happen, it would be virtually. So I think they're they're. I don't even think the children are meeting. It's just the lawyers and the judges. Um, but us, as a, and we're the only independent organization that works with unaccompanied minors. So we're like completely independent from social workers, lawyers, the state, and um, the the its own like immigration services or system. So I I think at this point, um, we would be there virtually, like just on the Zoom call. Um, mm -hmm. but, but pre COVID, yeah, we, uh, my role would have entitled me to go to the court hearings and be, I'm not anyone that talks in court. Like I give my letter of recommendation as far as what I think my best interests, uh, or the best interests of the child is. And mm -hmm. I would essentially just be there sitting with the child for emotional support because I have built that bond with them after right. meeting every, we, we meet every week. Um, and right now with my child, we're just like drawing and talking and like I get I get to know them and their daily week to week lives as far as how they're how they're doing and what their emotional state is. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely important. I'm assuming, and especially with a decision like that, whether I'm imagining they get to stay in the country or not. Um, do yeah. the kids? I'm not sure how the how young or old the kids are, but um, do they ever talk to you about like the political climate here in the uh, states? Like as far as like Trump, um, what's going on with like the immigration reform, um, stuff like that. Um, so we, we serve um babies to 17 year olds. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a range of, of children's ages that we um, support. Right now, I have a child and she's at high school age. So um, she, we, I, I don't bring up the election um, really or like the current political state because I think it can be triggering and mm -hmm. exhausting to talk about that. Like I said, like me, like no, knowing that I'm undocumented, I feel like I, I'm always in this lived experience of like being anxious and worried about what Trump was going to do next. Yeah. Um, because from day to day, everything was fucking changing and all the bullshit comes out. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But, I can't even imagine what you must've gone through. Yeah. So I, I don't bring it up to, to my child, but um, of course, like uh, the week of the elections, it's inevitable and it's more of a disservice for me not to bring it up. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, so we did, have that conversation and like she was, she was like well like I'm just waiting I hope he loses and she still had to um throughout the the week of, uh not the the previous weeks she was like keeping track of what is it called they give their their debates the presidential Ooh. debates because she had to oh, do yeah, it okay. for a, a government uh class so mm -hmm. like she was here she was also like there um, watching the debates and she had to do little summaries and she talked to me about like having to do that um and I asked her how she feels about it and she's like well it's boring like I don't <laughs> like I doesn't interest me you know I, I feel like um she also you know is just exhausted of, of all the stress and like the uncertainty of everything yeah do any of the kids that you've worked with ever express wanting to continue their relationship with you like once you're once their case is through I haven't had that happen um, to me personally. I've heard it's I've heard of it happening because it is also like something that um, is inevitable when these children are moving through facilities, foster homes, 
etc and they don't have a stable um adult figure in their life where someone that is there every week at the same time so they've come to realize that our commit our commitment has shown you know and they've right. never, they they might have like missed that since they have left their parents so we become this figure that it, they count on um so I, I think and i think that's really important to for them to know that there's someone there that's on their that's on their side and that's rooting for them and is going to show up you know um right. but no i haven't had that experience happen to me um it does happen and our protocol is kind of like almost weaning out of the attachment like a baby would because um you know we say goodbye and we do say goodbye and the last um at the last step um but the child can still like ask to call or to like that they want this connection still and our protocol is basically to like have like one call maybe once a month and then every other month until so they they like have adjusted you know to to wherever mm -hmm. they've been placed at or 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 wherever um their new like step takes them just so so we can check in and see that they're okay and so they can kind of start letting go okay. wow that must so be like not, so emotional it's not discouraged yeah it's not i, I like this not discouraged so that's cool I'm, I'm sorry i just wanted to ask um since you say you were undocumented does that mean that you are actually like a daca recipient yeah um i have daca right now i haven't really followed up too much into it maybe just because of my own ignorance but uh where is um because uh, from what i understand is that it was an executive order right that was signed by like i think obama or maybe like a previous administration yeah. uh but then there was like a lot of uh debate whether trump was gonna i guess uh, rescind that right yeah yeah because i think it's like a very unpopular uh decision now um just in terms of like uh the um the support that people generally have for like DACA recipients because I think most people understand that you know they were here from a very young age and they don't know anything else but the United States so sending them back to you know to their country so to say it's like you're deporting them to like a place that they've never been that they probably have no connections either so um I think a lot of people can definitely identify with that cruelty the the thing about what Trump threatened to take away the program like that was one of his goals um two to three years um in and he he did change it he changed it to um, the doctor gives you a work permit for two years, and now it's mm -hmm. only valid for one year. And oh, the fees the fees are increased. So I used it used to be like four seventy, four sixty five. Now it's almost five hundred um, dollars, and you have to essentially, if you want your permit on time, you have to send it in uh, three months in advance. So now Jeez. this is a five hundred dollar bill for people to be able to work every uh nine months you know oh, on top on top of your rent because you have yeah. to get it in before and you have to make to make sure that it comes on time before your work permit expires i i went through the experience in college um where my permit expired because i graduated um the fall my fall my fall quarter was when trump was elected of my senior year um and i had already sent in my daca and because there was all this like panic of him being elected, people sent in their documents really early and the office got overwhelmed with applications, so everything mm -hmm. was late. And I was without my work permit for the first quarter of my college career, um, or for the last quarter of my college career. Um, and I was like coming back home to work under the table. I was stealing groceries from my mom, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I was just trying to, to pay my tuition because I didn't have any form of income or like legal income right mm -hmm. um so so that was my experience do a lot of DACA recipients i'm not sure what like the percentage would be but do most of, most of them um obtain like some type of a college degree or something or is I mean, it just like a, a lot, 
-hmm. one of the requirements is to have a high school diploma or ged okay. um so that's one of the requirements so like they it was a, essentially a push to get people to obtain that degree or ged mm -hmm. um and then and if people have like the income i think that it allows them to go to school and to think about going to community college or trade tech or university you know like that's um that's accessible now um but i think something else i'm not sure if this was something that trump was just doing like um you know across the board because i actually applied for a citizenship myself this year but um mm -hmm. yeah the only reason that i did it was because i mean i still have my green card and it was good for like a few more years so i really wasn't planning on on becoming a citizen a citizen until like it was about to expire but um mm -hmm. Yeah, he also increased the price on that, the application, because I think it used to be like yeah. seven fifty, which is what I paid because I did it now before it went into effect. But now I think it's um twelve hundred, which is like yeah. holy shit, that's that's still a quite lot. a you know, a wow. And which, where is this money going? You know? Right, like, yeah. that's what that's the real question. It's funding all these fucking ice camps. Oh god, that's horrible. Um so, yeah, I'm yeah. imagining that's probably where it's going too. Um yeah, I think I think this is something that he was just doing across the board to kind of make it harder, you know, for people to like become legal citizens and just like um, closing as many doors as possible just to kind of I guess, yeah. send that message. And um, it's pretty clear when he also said that um, I, I think he tacitly said something about like shooting people that were trying to like cross or I guess uh, get into the United States uh, from like the mm -hmm. wall or something, which I think just encapsulates his whole, I guess, strategy in terms of like immigration and trying to like curb, you know, people from entering in the first place. But it's really difficult. But the thing is that with this uh, former administration, um, I was just like done after I graduated college 2017. And after that, I was just like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Like mm -hmm. I, I would, and these were serious talks that I had with my, with my parents and some of my extended family. Like, can we actually just leave? Because that, that's how I felt. And right now I still feel that way. Like I'm not opposed to, to leaving and, and, and it comes with this immigrant mentality for me. And I tell my mom that I was like, well, like, um, pues yo salí pa delante aquí. like I'm gonna do it over there. You know, we're going to mm -hmm. find a way because that's the, that's how we do things. And yeah. that, that's me like, you know, starting from the bottom and coming over here trying to be a lawyer. So I don't, and, um, I'm going to go back or if I were to go back to Mexico, I would have family and, and essentially, and this degree quote unquote, that can help me or cannot help me, but it's definitely a baseline. Trump in his, this last year, he was like making, he tried to uh, make this imprint, like lay this little seed that he was going to give DACA people tax to citizenship, but that mm -hmm. was only DACA people. And, um, and I got into it uh, on Twitter with someone I know that's a DACA recipient. And that was like, oh, like I, I'll, if Trump does this, like I'm down. Um, and I was like, to like support no, him. Like, yeah, well, to, oh my to, God. to stay here, and, like, this is, so, like, he saw his benefit over the yeah. whole immigrant He's community. like, fuck everybody else. Yeah, and I was like, I don't think this is it, bro. Like, that's that's not why we've been fighting, like, so long as not only DACA, that's not, all, that's not why we fought for DACA, and that's not why we're continuing to fight for everyone else. You know, I'm fighting for my tia and my tío mm -hmm. and my mom and stuff. Like, it's not just me. I could, I'm 26, or I'm going to be 26. I've lived long enough to like stay without papers for another 20 years if it means that my mom doesn't get any either um yeah. like i don't i don't it's not a big deal to me um but he didn't feel that way and he's like no like i want this for myself like i don't care 
or basically that's what it, it it seems like i don't care about my community you know but like he wouldn't oh, be God. here if it wasn't for all of his uncles everybody that's fighting for him yeah yeah everyone that has brought him to where he is now a college graduate you know like he mm -hmm. didn't do that by himself so i think it's yeah. really um disrespectful to to have that standpoint um because trump was offering these false promises and i don't know what um biden's gonna do as far as like if he's also only um targeting DACA people or all of us well okay so you bring up a really good point you're saying that like this guy who, who was like down uh, to support Trump basically was kind of just looking out for his own interests, which I think like we we all tend to do. But um, I don't know if you guys, well, no, I'm sure you guys are aware, but Trump's um, support from like minority groups uh, increased across the board. And so I'm wondering if you think that like the people, um, like specifically, I guess like Latinos, if do you, if you think that that support increased um, because they kind of had that same mentality where they thought, well, I'm going to get something out of it, you know, like this, like fuck everyone else sort of, but I know for sure I'm going to be good. Do you think that that could have been a role um, in his support going up? Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I personally have been pushing back against this, against this like self-interest is human nature because I don't think that that's yes. what, like, the species was founded on. Like, you know, we didn't survive alone. We survived in a community and mm -hmm. in indigenous tribes and, and all of that, you know? So it's not this, like, me, I'm always thinking about myself. Um, and unfortunately, capitalism has, has, like, kind of ingrained that mentality right now. But I think that is definitely, like, self-interest and, um, like, as immigration, gun rights. People, like, Latinos in Texas and Arizona, they love their guns, I think. Um, yeah. And and those I think those were also like two big issues that that were dividing people at this point. Um, and the taxes, but I don't know any rich Latinos, so like I can't. Right? Oh my god! Every time people I are like, "Oh my god, Biden's gonna increase your taxes," I'm like, "Dude, I'm not making anywhere near four hundred thousand dollars a year. It's it's okay. <laughs> I think I'm exempt." But uh, yeah, I actually was reading this uh, very interesting uh, article from Vox. Um, I think it got posted yesterday where they kind of start dissecting like, you know, why Latino voters kind of, uh, well, I'm just talking about Latinos here because I'm sure like all the other minorities also increase their support for Trump. But uh, from what I read or from what they found, I guess, was that um, there was like a lot of misinformation that was being fed to like the Latino community, community mm -hmm. uh, in Spanish. Which is like already very hard, I guess. Um, there there isn't as many resources into tracking like you know dis misinformation like in the Spanish community as there is in like the English community, um, and it's already yeah. really bad in the English community. So just imagine how it is in like the Spanish speaking community. And I'll let you know, Mexican politics. Uh, what, however you think messy, you know, United States politics is. Mexican politics is like ten times worse. It's like so hard yeah. to like find out like you know real like verifiable information that is just kind of like you're just going by other people's word at that point. Um, but like one of the things that they um they made sure to like make a distinction uh, about was like the different type of Latinos. Um, because I think people have like this misconception that like all Latinos are a monolith or that we all kind of think alike and vote alike. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really not true because like we all come from like very different backgrounds. And, um, I think we had this talk uh, a few days ago as well, uh, sky where, um, I was telling you that I think like one, one of the major factors were, uh, were the uh, socialism stuff, you know, like the socialism scare where it's like you just say like, um, oh, Joe Biden's like, you know, turning trying to turn the U.S. into like socialist uh, Venezuela or whatever. And like you have people from Cuba that experience, you know, I guess negative outcomes from like their administration. I'm not sure if mm -hmm. it was like socialism, socialism per se, but maybe in the way that it was like, I guess, manifested for them or how they mm -hmm. experienced it. And uh, that definitely has a real effect on them, uh, especially people from like Venezuela that are experiencing like some unstable conditions. Um, mm -hmm. They can't differentiate between like ideology and like administration. Um 
I think that definitely plays into like their fears, you know, because they just kind of came from that. It's and if they're being fed like all these constant lies that are hard to verify in the first place, um, I think that definitely has like some type of uh, impact on on voters, especially like when it's like a fear based um, kind of um, cognitive bias that you're kind of feeding into. Uh, when you already have like a certain predisposed fear, and then people feed you more of like that, I guess fear porn. You're more likely to believe that and be more inclined to like actually believe those things. And um, that was one of the major things that they pointed to, uh, pointed to that there was like just a lot of misinformation, uh, especially about abortion as well. I guess that there was like a mm-hmm. like a big uh, pack, a super pack funding like certain advertisements uh, saying that Joe Biden was for late term abortion up to like the I don't know up to like birth or something like that, which is obviously mm-hmm. not true. And a lot wow. of people, you know, being Catholic or religious, or yeah, if they see that or true. if they run across that and they believe it without like doing any research, then yeah, they're not gonna vote for Biden. So, yeah, that's what they were saying that was happening and why, like, certain minority groups, you know, increase their support, their support for Trump. So I'm sure that there's, like, similar stories in, like, other demographics, but I think and it's just, like, honestly, like, plain. News on, like, yeah. the, the, the news is always in the background. <laughs> right? It's it's freaking insane, like, how much they're able to, like, um, do with, like, their influence. Yeah. But who knows when that's going to get fixed. Probably Biden can, like, I don't think the Democrats are doing, like, talking a lot about, like, disinformation because they're, like, the ones that are, like, um, um, I guess experiencing, like, the the consequences of just, like, kind of letting it fester in, like, social media and, like, the internet because now they have mm-hmm. to, like, deal with, like, oh, my God, we're all pedophiles or some shit like that or they were all, you know, socialists. <laughs> so it's, um, <laughs> so, like, I can see, like, their interests, you know, but um, I don't know. Hopefully they there is, like, some type of uh, FEC. I think it's FEC or FCE or something. FEC. Uh, regulation that kind of starts regulating the information that's posted out there and um fuck i had another question that i was like uh hold on let me read it oh yeah it was a boy it was about joe biden actually um i was wondering like how do you feel about like his presidency i know that you don't haven't uh don't really know just because he hasn't actually like released too much information like on his i don't know he released a transition website have you like um read into any of that or do you have like any nah. like general opinions of him I, I also don't feel like I claim Joe as my president, so I haven't had a president. But you voted for him, right? <laughs> but no, oh, you don't have to say that. You actually, you don't have to say that if you don't want to. It's fine. But uh, well, okay, go I, ahead. I don't vote because I'm undocumented. Oh, right, right, um, right. Sorry. Yeah, I, I vote with my money. So like mm-hmm. the businesses I purchase from and, and all of that, that's where I have like the intention of who I want to give my money to. And that's mm-hmm. the way I, um, my like, uh, I guess, um, equating a voting tactic is where mm-hmm. I spend my money um but yeah I also don't feel like I have, he's not I'm not gonna claim him as my president either um but I I honestly don't like I, I can't say anything about him besides like he he is a sexual predator like I've seen I've read articles and seen like the videos of him um being overly touching and aggr- aggressive to these women mm-hmm. that are his peers right like you don't touch your coworkers like that like that's that's weird um so so i do i do think that it was a it's a disappointment where we're at as far as like who are electing to be the leader quote unquote of this country when they mm-hmm. have these um this history of misconduct and um tactics that are predatory and unhealthy so uh, I know I can say that that's where I'm like extremely disappointed and um, ashamed to live in this country because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like his policies and 
I, I don't I, I don't pay I haven't um, paid attention to any of the the debates when they were going on because again I just don't I don't need that in my life. I am right, yeah, living yeah. day to day like trying to like be happy and have my mental health in a good state and just like you know doing what I've always been doing, which is trying to survive and thrive into what my dreams are, you know? So I don't go into like looking at the campaigns and the speeches and all that stuff. When I see like concrete change, then it's going to be, it should be obvious to mm-hmm. me, I think. Um, uh, and I don't like his VP choice either because Kamala has her history of like policing yeah. uh, marginalized communities and all that stuff. So I, I looked into both of, or looked into more uh, Kamala than Joe because like well, we know Joe right I don't like he's done that much and when he was with Obama anyway so now he's just this kind of old creepy guy yeah I think um I think a lot of people um I don't like miss uh, want to like mischaracterize like uh, I guess your politics but I would say that you're kind of like a little bit more left-leaning right like in terms of like social uh, justice and like just like your distributive I think um policies that you or redistributing wealth is like something that you would advocate for mm-hmm. but I'm mm-hmm. generally guessing that's like your kind of politics yeah, I don't know. I don't like to label myself either, like left or yes. right, whatever, because like people come again with the, their own like uh, perceptions of what that means. Mm-hmm. And like I could tell you, I believe in like human rights. I believe Black Lives Matter. I believe gay people should be able to live the way they want. I believe yeah. sex workers should be able to do what they want. And I don't think children should be in cages. So maybe that's just like my baseline of human rights. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But, I think that's um, that's perfect. Yeah, um, just because yeah. I like in like online especially like uh labels are just like so fucking useless um but like um i, I would say that like usually like those type of like uh i guess like positions or values are mm-hmm. more aligned with like a left-leaning kind of yeah. slant i would say mm-hmm. um and i just wanted to bring that up because i feel like a lot of people that are more like on the left-wing camp um they do have like a lot of criticisms criticisms of biden and of Kamala as well like whether it's uh, mm-hmm. of her crime bill or like anything that um joe biden has supported whether it's like um um well, I think a lot of people criticize him and uh, Obama's uh, Affordable Care Act uh, just because it didn't like, you know, it wasn't like Medicare for all. And, and you know, if um, it didn't obviously insure everybody. But I think that uh, in terms of like strategy, just because I, I feel like I consume a lot of like I started to consume a lot of content of like like the extremes of like the right wing media as well. Because I just wanted okay. to get a perception of how they view Trump. And yeah. a lot of them are actually, like, also unhappy with Trump because a lot of them are, like, anti-Semitic. They, um, you know, don't like the... They have, like, a lot of criticisms of Israel, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, you know, he moved, like, the the embassy to Jerusalem, I think, to kind of solidify that their support for um, Israel. So um, that's something that they're very unhappy about because anything having to do with, like, you know, doing something positive for, like, the people of Israel, his supporters see it as, like, a betrayal. Like, oh, my God, this guy mm-hmm. is actually just, like, another globalist, like, blah, blah, blah. But um, at the same time, I feel like a lot of them made the concession that that um, it's like, OK, well, maybe he is like, um, you know, he he fails like in certain aspects where it's like, fuck, dude, this guy like completely sold us out. But like um, yeah. he still generally plays to like their narrative where it's like he consistently, you know, um, well, I guess like degrades, uh, um, you know, or treats, um, you know, Hispanics and like people of color as like second grade citizens. And I think it's that rhetoric that they kind of like say like, okay, like generally like we disagree with like certain policies, like we don't like it, but his overall, like, you know, plan, I guess, or vision, like it's something that we can kind of like co-sign right now because they are in a way moving our agenda forward in a sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
a lot of like uh, I know started noticing that they a lot of, a lot more of them or I don't know if I was just like being very selective of the people that I like follow or whatever but a lot of them were kind of taking a similar approach where it's like okay well let's take every win we can because at this point it's not necessarily about getting everything that we want on the fucking bill or like out of like a presidential presidential candidate because I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to do that there's just way too much diversity and like thought here in the states to be able to like tack it all onto like a perfect you know presidential uh, candidate and like have him like you know take us to like the utopia that we all envision or whatever yeah. and um i think that's a similar strategical approach that, that we should start taking as far as like people that are like more leaning towards like the left because i like i don't i don't know about like you know joe biden's like other uh, like uh misconducts or whatever like i've read about the tara reed stuff and um mm-hmm. if that's true then yeah that's horrible then we should not you know have that person there in the first place uh but as far as like completely like from like a policy standpoint um it would seem to me that he is more predisposed to like certain things like medicare for all or it would be easier to kind of push for that with like a biden presidency um mm-hmm. than like a trump presidency so for yeah. me like i always like view like you know those type of like weighted decisions as terms of like okay like harm reduction basically it's like um mm-hmm. if they're both bad who's going to do the least amount of harm and like to me that was always right. like a very easy choice it was like okay well it's mm-hmm. fucking biden like let's just go ahead and vote for him now uh live to fight another day because that's kind of what we were doing with trump you know if he would have won it's like, okay, well, fuck it. We threw all of our, we threw all, all progress away and like, just because of this person, because we couldn't like um, get behind like this one person that we all feel like very unpassionate about. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think like, um, it sucks that like a lot of people, it's, it, I, I understand why it's really hard to view it like that because at, at some point it just seems that like politics is just a for, for entertainment or like a game or like yeah. um, some type of show that we have to play for people. But um, I think that's just the reality and as, as fucking boring and as fucking sad as it is, I think that's just like the reality of politics and uh, the reality that, um, that I guess those politicians kind of try to reflect back to us because um, that's the people that we kind of vote for. It's not necessarily that their policies are bad or that they thought it up. Um, a lot of their constituents, like they, they are informed, like their policies are informed by like their constituents or like their voting block. So even though it, we might, it might be hard for us to believe that like, oh my God, why wouldn't anybody else, like why wouldn't everybody want like Medicare for all or like all these really cool policies that somebody like Bernie was offering, like why wouldn't people want that? Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of sad as it is to believe it's there's like been a lot of like, you know, individualist propaganda and such that like uh-huh. people just naturally yeah. gravitates to those to those um, sort of talking points. And um, I think it's going to be like a while before we ever get like something that's really cool that we can be like, oh, my God, this is so progressive. We're doing it better than any other like European nation or whatever. Um, just because I think it's still like um, like a battle of like the narrative, you know, or like trying to change minds in, in, in of that aspect or I guess in that element less so than like trying to pass like a policy like hardcore that like most people um not necessarily disagree with but don't really understand how it fits into like the whole i guess image of like what america is mm-hmm. um sorry this is like a really long rant but uh <laughs> but I, I don't know i feel like um what do you think of that do you think it's like something like a strategy something that we should be paying attention to more uh, paying attention to a little bit more especially like uh, in the advent or like with the uh, the exit of like trump and like now that we kind of see what is possible when we don't actually like um exercise our voting rights or capabilities do you mean like strategy as far as uh, what you're mentioning, harm reduction and yeah. finding like a, a balance mm-hmm. or like this middle ground if it ever exists? Yeah, in, in terms of just like, uh, I guess like understanding that like, okay, well, like uh, in the primaries, I completely understand like, let's completely let's continue to like hash out those like details, like who is going to be the best candidate to represent like the Democratic base. But like mm-hmm. once it got into like, you know, the primaries were set, it was like Joe Biden. I feel like a lot of people were still like either taking um, stances of like not voting I actually met like a few Latinos actually that um were planning on not voting just because they felt like so dispassionate about both candidates, yeah. um or like either 
or I actually met like a friend as well that was like more of an accelerationist where like he was actually going to intentionally vote for Trump to like, I guess, um, set up like a certain like, um, environment, like, um, I guess set up the circumstances to like lead us into like, I guess a revolution or like some type of like something that's going to cause a lot of change in yeah. uh, the way that we handle our politics. And, um, I don't know to me, like those, those, um, I guess a lot of those explanations never really made sense to me or like, I never really got like, um, like a good understanding of, and I was just like wondering, like, do you disagree or like, do you kind of feel like it is more of like an in- incrementalist kind of like approach to politics? I was saying that I think we're living in a very like unstable time and a lot of people or like groups of people have reached uh, almost their boiling point as we have seen with the uprising, you know, people are tired and this election came in a very pivotal moment where we had to make a choice uh, of like harm reduction and who, who is gonna be easiest to, to move things with like to change and like mm-hmm. pass policies but we still have like the is it the house that's still red uh no the senate, the senate is still well i don't know like that's um that's still to be decided because January? i think uh, georgia went on a ran- uh, runoff election uh-huh. so yeah it's not going to be till december that we find out if there's going to be a uh well i don't even think it's going to be a majority i think it's just going to be 50 uh 50 split in the senate mm. but the democrats did keep the house i think they lost seats but they still mm-hmm. are a majority in the house Mm-hmm. So, so I think like, yeah, we were living in this pivotal, this election was pivotal in that sense where we had to decide or the, the people had to decide who was going to be the easiest person to, to in, ignite change or push for change. And I, um, I would say that I, uh, thought that Trump was going to win. I didn't want to have like these, uh, this false hope of like people like doing the right Biden. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> people doing the quote unquote right thing as far as, um, getting Trump out of office because another four years would have been exhausting and like completely deteriorating for some more than others. Um, so I thought he was going to win. Um, and I am a bit relieved that he didn't, of course, but I don't know how, how much movement we're going to get with Joe Biden in the office and Kamala too, you know, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see either choice, um, being like the easiest to move. And I understand that, um, that idea that your friend mentioned of like, oh, if Trump wins again, well, something's going to happen. Like people are going to lose their shit for the good, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's like more um, uprisings or like more intense uprisings or not, like things are going to happen. So I can see that too. Um, but I don't know. I think it's kind of that's an outcome that... difficult to be living. Yeah. <laughs> but I would still argue that I think that that's a, an outcome that we want to avoid. Just because, um, I mean, like, if we really, like, sit down and, like, look at who has, like, all the guns and, like, who has, like, all the uh, manpower and, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, the police, you know, um, unions, like, behind them, it's going to be people on the right, you know, like, Trump supporters and stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah. like, um, I mean, I don't know, I guess, do you, like, for me, like, it just seems like, um, in, in terms of, like, the way that people were presenting it to me, that they wanted to, like, accelerate, you know, a certain revolution or whatever, it just seemed mm-hmm. to me like, that it kind of came from, like, a place of privilege, so to say. Um, just because a lot of these people would be shielded from like the real fucking consequences of like a, uh, a full on like revolution, you know, where it's like, I mean, yeah. I don't think that they were, I personally don't think that they would have been like the ones out there protesting and like, you know, fighting shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like getting shot at or getting uh-huh. ran out or whatever. So to me, it was yeah. just kind of like, okay, why the fuck are you advocating for this? When I know, like just from the person, from the things that I've inferred from you, that you mm-hmm. wouldn't be like the type to like do that in the first place, you know? Yeah. And, um, no. I don't know to me, mm-hmm. it just seems like, um like an outcome that we would want to avoid anyways because it's like okay if trump wins and fuck we i mean we're like so far behind but we still can't you know afford to like um go out there and like try to like have some type of revolution and like fight these guys like on the field 
um if anything if anything i still think that it has to be like more of like a um uh, a battle of ideas sort of say even though it, mm-hmm. even though that's kind of like a privileged position in itself because some people don't have the time to like argue um you know why they they should exist in the first place you know why they have a right to live here um mm-hmm. but that's again it's like a sad fucking reality that a lot of people are just not yeah. informed they're not educated in terms of like uh electoral politics how it works how to like grab like political power how to like accumulate like political capital mm-hmm. um because that's how you change those, these politicians that's how you mm-hmm. ultimately get like the politician that you want because until people start realizing this that like hey if we really you know want like medicare for all we need to like educate like the people around us about it we really need mm-hmm. to like um you know talk to our parents about it and like kind of start like a uh, a bottom-up approach because it's never going to co- be like a top-down if we wait for like a candidate to uh, announce that they're going to like bernie did it i um, mean he had like an insane support like an insane like um um i think he targeted uh i think his outreach was like targeted to like young people but uh, they yeah. just don't vote like he wasted like so much potential there because he i guess um wasted so much time and money like trying to like get young people out to vote but they just don't like they even in the primaries i don't think they voted like overwhelmingly like as as much as like he they were expecting them to and mm-hmm. um yeah, that's just due to like you know generational differences. People are usually more inclined to like uh, look into politics as they get older. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I don't know. I think it's like really like a battle like that you have to find on multiple fronts. And I think like one of the fronts that like the uh, the left I think generally has a problem with is just like in terms of like um like yeah like strategy like in terms of like electoral strategy like how how can we get like um people to stop expecting like you know the best candidate ever and uh be able to like push for or be instead be able to like push certain like politicians to like certain like um achievable and um i guess realistic Mm -hmm. goals instead of like something like that's not even present anywhere else in the world you know because like medicare for all i think like most like european countries like have some type of like um private um companies still like um doing kind of dealings with them so it was like something like very far to the left of like even european countries like the um social democratic countries that are democratic uh yeah social democratic countries that we know like norway and stuff like that so mm-hmm. i don't know i think it's like definitely still like a like um it sucks because a lot of people don't have the time to like wait you know for people to like have these conversations and then um uh act out on it but i think it is ultimately like if we want to like achieve these changes it's going to take time and it's going to take work it's not going to like you know come from like one um politician <laughs> that we vote in no definitely not all the change that we've seen in this year has come from people being out in the street Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely irresponsible um, and reckless to be advocating for a revolution when you haven't figured out your role in that revolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I see what you're saying. Like, if they're coming from this place of privilege, you're not going to be on the streets. You're not going to be learning um, medic training. You're not going to be handing out waters. You know, it, it's not it's not something that's feasible for you to do. Then I don't think you should be advocating for it if you if you don't know what you want to do with it. You know. Like whether that's giving monthly your money monthly to an organization that's already doing the work or actually being out in the streets. Um, and with revolution comes death and violence. Like that's just what it is. No one has freed themselves from an oppressor without violence. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you talk about guns. Yeah, my, my partner um, getting ready for the election, he bought his, his uh, gun in California. And it took like a whole month and a half to like do all the get all the parts and um, the the permit and you have to have the safety regulations on it because every um state law is different but california has really strict gun laws so like he had to make sure everything was right but he was intentionally doing that for the election yeah um and that's how that's how real it feels in la right now and all over the country um 
Yeah, it was definitely like that here in Nevada as well. I think they used to, um, some of the news corp or what do they call news channels or whatever? Like they would definitely showed all the, those huge ass lines, like outside of gun shops, just people waiting to buy their guns, waiting for the revolution. I have a question too, that mm-hmm. I saw recently. Um, um, and it's, or it was one of the statements. It said congressmen or um, people in Congress and politicians shouldn't be billionaires. Oh like, yeah, I mean, didn't have this accumulation of wealth. But not only that, I think we see with Trump, like you don't have, he didn't have the qualifications to be president. Like he doesn't have them. And you see, like the documentary on Netflix from um, bringing down the house with uh, Alexandra Ocasio, is that her name? And yeah, um, the other, yeah, the other women that um, it's not just her, but they expose the Elon other women in their, uh-huh, in their racism. They're regular people. You know, and they yeah. like, were talking about like being constituents. They know who their constituents are because that's their neighbor. You mm-hmm. know, and they have this relatability to their community and they see what their community needs. And that's where it's actually going to happen. If you see these people, you're in the in the trenches with these people and you see what's missing and you're in this elected position of power to be able to help people from your community and to understand their needs. Someone yeah. who's disconnected and living in Beverly Hills can't make policy for South Central. Yeah, for sure. That makes me think of how Nancy Pelosi was talking about um, how uh, the the mask mandate here in Nevada, and then um, it comes out that like she's she's going to like a hair salon place get her. Oh no, it wasn't in Nevada. I'm sorry, this was in California. But she's going to like a hair salon, no mask on, and it's like, dude, what? Well, why are you why are you saying this shit? And then you know, behind closed doors, you're you're not even doing what you're trying to impose on everyone else, you know. And it's that type of privilege, you know, that people say like, well, like fuck you, like I don't want to listen to that because you don't even do it yourself. Uh, yeah, Go- Governor Newsom is in that boat right now, too. He just mandated the curfew starting Saturday, and he was uh, photographed in a dinner this past week without ma- no one had masks on. At some point, though, those kind of criticism just get into, like, partisan politics. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, even if politicians are doing that and if they're being stupid, it's like, who gives a shit? It's like the, the consensus of behind science, which is, like, what we should have, like, you know, been adhering to, like, from the beginning as opposed to, like, politicians. Um, this got heavily politicized to, like, now that's why we're always, like, pointing, like, oh, well, look at this guy. Like, he, like, took off his mask for, like, a couple of seconds and, like, all of a sudden, okay, like, why the fuck are we all, like, wearing this mask? Like, I don't get what the prescription is supposed to be there that uh, just because they didn't wear it now it's okay for us not to wear it as well. Um just be I don't know, like, uh, to me, like, when we, again, this comes into, like, the perfect, you know, candidate as well. We're never going to have that. Like, they're always going to make mm-hmm. mistakes. People are going to play on, like, you know, the smallest little detail to, like, try to, like, you know, start, make a, a mountain out of a molehill, so to say. Uh, yeah, generally, I agree that, yeah, you should fucking, you know, uh, walk the walk if you're going to be talking it. But um, I guess, like, those type of criticisms are just kind of, eh. I mean, yeah, we should just quick. wear a mask, I think. Like, whether, you know, Gavin Newsom or fucking Nancy Pelosi decided to wear a fucking <laughs> Yeah, because one thing that I was going to say is that I think AOC, like, I don't know how much you guys have seen of her, but, like, I think AOC is, like, one of the uh, most skilled, like, um, politicians, like, just in terms of, like, her rhetoric and, like, how she kind of um, communicates to her constituents. Um, mm-hmm. One of the downsides, though, that I feel that she has is that she comes from a very safe blue district. So, like, mm-hmm. um, like another reality that I, and this is something that I kind of posted about on Twitter as well, which didn't get any engagement, but I think that um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we really need to realize is that not every place in America is going to have the same politics as like a very safe blue district in New York. Uh, because mm-hmm. obviously we know for a fact that people that live in cities are generally more progressive. They're generally more liberal and people in rural areas are generally more conservative. They're more like, you know, family oriented people, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not the families, families in the cities aren't, but uh, that's just generalities that you, I think you can point to that most people would agree. 
So, like, that's that's the whole fucking thing, like, about rhetoric as well, where it's, like, um you have these strongholds, like, you know, Portland, California, New York, where it's, like, super blue. But, you know, we can try, like, crazy shit over there. Like, that's awesome. But I think, like, um where it kind of starts to falter is, like, when we start choosing, like, a, a, like a president, you know, that's going to represent, like, people from, like, all over the country, where it's not just, you know, the Californias or the New York. Although there's, like, arguments that people make for, like, the population, like, um dif- differential between, like, you know, the big cities that kind of you know, carry the entire nation behind us and like, you know, the rural areas that just kind of siphon a lot of, of the uh, money, the tax money that we provide for them, you know? Uh, so there's like arguments there that I think are sort of valid and worth looking at. But um, I, I don't know, like, I think like in terms of like, do you, do you disagree with that? That I think that like in terms of like rhetoric, it's really hard to do, especially like for Democrats, um, where it's like um, you kind of already deal with like the bad faith, um, I guess, attacks from like conservatives. And you also have to like be very careful in, in terms of your messaging. So you don't alienate like a huge voting block. Uh, yeah. For example, like one example that I could give is like the fracking, like the oil industry, where a lot of people were criticizing Biden for like not out or like uh, Kamala as well for um, not outright like uh, banning like fracking. Right. Um, obviously, climate change is like very, very real, very like, you know, present concern. Uh, but at the same time, uh, a lot of the people that are going to be voting for you, if you make those type of statements, they might be dissuaded, you know, from voting for you. Because it's like, okay, well, that's my job. And, like, if you're saying here that you're going to, you know, be implementing, like, policies to, you know, invest into, like, uh, renewable energy and then, uh, you know, ban all fracking, like, why the fuck should I vote for you? You know, I'm going to go vote for the uh, Trump guy. So I think, like, a lot of these discussions, like, get very complicated very quick. And um, um, it's not easy, you know, to kind of craft the, uh, I guess, like, the the policy, like, the rhetoric uh, for the Democrats. And I think that's where a lot of people start to really get confused um, and start saying shit like, like, oh, the Democrats don't do shit for anybody or, like, um, um. or like, because I understand like there's still corruption, like there's still like Democrats that are like just horrible and like bad and they should be primaried. But um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it's like a very difficult thing as well, where like the whole rhetoric where like people are like so different, sadly so in, in some places, you know. Um, so it's like, how do you do you like have any ideas of like how to overcome that um, or like anything that we should do about it? Because I feel like just like rhetoric and like because <laughs> it's like something that I like to think about yeah. as well. Because obviously, we you know we yeah. want to see the change that uh, we think would benefit most people. But uh, people will you know I think will we've seen time and time again will vote against their own interest uh, just because mm-hmm. they heard something on on I don't know a YouTube channel or something. Um, yeah. So it's like. I mean, that, that's the, the conversation that I want to have because I feel like that's the most important, uh, even though it involves mm-hmm. like a lot of persuasion and like sometimes like maybe even talking to people that you don't really want to talk to. Um, yeah. I think it's still like very important because if you get like, the more people that you get, on, I guess, on the same page, uh, the better, because then like, I guess like you're you have like a plan of action at that point, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like people like infighting and like, you know, just like throwing or slinging shit at each other. And I don't know if you have like any opinions about that or if you just think that we should just, you know. Uh, fuck everything else we go for medicare for all or like extreme positions because i understand there's definitely value in that as well you know when you because like Uh republicans never back down they never come to the middle with democrats they always push for like the most extreme positions and like sometimes they do get it and Mm -hmm. i think that's also like you know a strategic um tactic that people use but i think it doesn't really work well with democrats just because of the huge voting blocks and like diverse voting a base i think it's it's definitely difficult um and it's like a reason we are where we are at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and as you're saying, like cities and rural areas, these are like different settings that have different needs. Mm-hmm. And if like you, some one person feels like their needs aren't being met, then you've already lost their vote because they you know you're missing something, and you're only mm-hmm. appealing to one side or whatever. Um, so I think it is it's very difficult to to come to the quote unquote middle with people or to 
try to um, get conservatives to to see a different view than they're used to with mm-hmm. like all these uh red or republican senators mm-hmm. and president uh candidates and whatever um so i i do think it's difficult as far as like a solution or idea strategy i i don't um i don't have but i also think that it's really difficult um to create policy and structural changes um when all of the country's values are mixed up because you don't have anything to like refer back to and to to help guide your structure you know so it's basically like um you're on this edge of like falling apart constantly what mm-hmm. is what i feel like we're at because we don't people disagree on basic human rights mm-hmm. and how, how how do we move forward or create a policy that addresses that if we don't know if we can't agree to like something or basic things yeah. yeah like there's these these um these basic values it's like oh you believe in freedom but that doesn't mean freedom to someone means like children shouldn't be in cages, but freedom to someone else be like, no, you should probably like work to have hard to get your freedom, you know, or something yeah. like that, or get your freedom the right way, whatever that looks like. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's also a big issue that the country has. We don't know our own values or our own values are all screwed up in different areas of the, of the country. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to like talking to people again that you don't want to talk to. I don't really... <laughs> personally like i'm really exhausted so i don't engage in that type of work but i do think yeah. it's important for for people to call their family members and have these discussions because we mentioned before you're not going to listen to someone that you don't trust mm-hmm. or that you don't already know or that you don't connect with already you know there's 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 always someone in your life that's going to be able to change your mind because you trust them so much yeah and that's where that's where like the real work comes in as far as like if you have a racist uncle and you have a really close bond with them, then you're gonna have these difficult conversations. And steady and steady by by time, you know, you hope to come to a conclusion with them where you can both agree and respect each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's completely right. I think you kind of hit the uh, the nail with a the hammer there. I think that's the saying. Um, because yeah, I think it is gonna definitely take time and it obviously, you know, uh, people, when you get sources from like trusted people, then you're more likely to believe them. Uh, but yeah, I think this is something that's going to be so um, slow in terms of how we have this conversation um, mm-hmm. that I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting, but uh, I'm glad that we're kind of I'm sure people have already started. But uh, I think like we're kind of bringing bringing this out or like helping it get out there, like disseminating that conversation. And yeah, and um, that's why these like small um, or what start as small podcasts, you know, because they're manifesting big <laughs> success <laughs> that like we're building is necessary with our own voices and our own lived experiences to share mm-hmm. with others. And get them out thinking outside of their own bubble. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, to kind of uh, also kind of go back to like the uh, shared values thing. Um, I think. Well, I, I just know like um, from like some psychology books that I've read, it's like um, that I think people overemphasize certain differences sometimes when there's like a lot more in commonality um, in terms of like dem- like a liberal versus like a conservative. I think there is going to be like, you know, fundamental disagreements like with values. But I think with just regular, like even apolitical people or like people that are like just more liberal than left wing, sort of say, I think there's some consensus of like some general like baseline to baseline in terms of like what we, you know, um, agree should be the case um, in terms of like human rights, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I think like within like our, I guess, like voting block, I think it's easier to kind of have those conversations just because most of them, most of us, well, I guess most of the disagreements are like on policy issues, you know, where it's just yeah. kind of like, um, 
oh, I don't want like, you know, um, a means tested, like, you know, social program. I want like, you know, universal programs where like, um, even rich people get them like whatever. And, um, yeah, I think people like overemphasize a lot of those, um, differences, like in terms of like, you know, um, I guess like liberal discourse. Uh, but I don't know. I, I hope that, uh, we kind of start at least being aware of that, that yeah, we can have like disagreements in terms of like policy, but generally we all want to get the same place. It's just a matter of like methods of how to get there, you know? Um, yeah. So I and definitely... I think a lot of people are like focused on their money, which they have mm-hmm. a right to be, you know, it's their, their income and how they take care of their families. But what if money and like income and your basic needs were taken care of? That yeah, you that's can start thinking about like, that's when you can start thinking about bigger things and how to like help other aspects of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. This conversation has been so, has been so interesting. I really, um, I'm glad <laughs> that you decided to come on. Hopefully we have you like for another episode soon. Um, yeah, this is it's like we have something juicy to talk about <laughs> right yeah because i feel like we uh talked about a lot of different things today we're close to like hitting two hours um i don't know if you guys had any like the last things to add or anything else you guys wanted to touch on real quick final thoughts um well yeah i guess that was just my you know thank you so much for coming on yeah hopefully thank we have you again i think me. yeah for sure i think we uh you know share a lot of like similar poli- or like i guess values uh so hopefully we you know we can continue talking and you know kind of pushing towards those uh i guess changes that we want to see in the world in our own ways so yeah, yeah definitely i i know you mentioned like um having a bigger impact like where you would have your bigger impact as far as like the good that you want to bring and the change whether that's like here in america or mexico i think it still um starts within our communities you know mm-hmm. like I, I mentioned like i don't think your president's going to change anything. And if it is, I'm going to be able to see it explicitly. Like, that's yeah. what, then I'll be like, okay, well, he's actually doing something. But until then, I'm doing what I have been doing for the last five years. You know, I'm in the community, connecting with people and helping people um, that I can see a direct impact with. Because yeah. that's, that's, you know, this is where I live and this is my day-to-day life, not being, like, in uh, watching speeches and seeing all these things that they want to give us supposedly you know but yeah. like it's still like right here jessica i don't know if you've ever heard of this book uh, called um politics is for power no i haven't okay well um <laughs> it kind of talks about what we were just talking about like just strategy um but uh the main character and like basically the premise of the book is exactly what you're saying right now is that um a lot of the way that you accumulate like political capital is through serving your community through like getting to know your constituents, you know, kind of like building from there. And then uh, because they trust you so much, you know, kind of giving policy pr- uh, prescriptions to them to like, hey, you should vote for this guy because of this such and whatever. Um, and I don't know, I think you would honestly enjoy that book because you're kind of already doing um, maybe not intentionally what the uh, book kind of um, describes is like a, a way mm-hmm. to actually effectively change politics or like have, uh, have an impact in it. Yeah, I, I will check it out. And it is like, um, I don't. I'm not that interested in policy mm-hmm. work as of right now, but of course, like I'm going to be in law school and uh, I am focusing on juvenile justice as far as like working with children in detention centers. And mm-hmm. I would love to be a part of that like policy change in whether that's in my city or state, because I think that these are the changes that we see, not necessarily like countrywide um, policies aren't like as uh, quickly moved, but mm-hmm. definitely like local things I, I think can be more manageable for people. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I, I would check it out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it on your bucket list. <laughs> I, bought, I bought so many books this year, so I have to wait. <laughs> Me too. It's like everything, like a whole bunch of magazines that I'm like uh, subscribed to, like, well, just three of them, but like they're just like sitting there since the beginning of the year. It feels so bad. 
But yeah, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed our conversations and I can't wait to see um where your where y'all's podcast grows. Yeah, for sure. Likewise. Definitely hit us up whenever uh wait, what's your Twitter? I was gonna follow you as well. Well, you don't have to like say it right now, but if you wanna type it in the chat. Um uh-huh. yeah, just so I can like start retweeting your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my, like, and my Sky Twitter has a uh, Twitter as well. You need to add her. Oh, yeah. My Twitter's low key anonymous. Like I don't have any personal information on there <laughs> just so I can talk my shit. No, um, that's perfect, yeah. <laughs> but I uh I'll shout out my Instagram if that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My at is Yeska says Y E S K A S A Y triple S at the end. Um mm-hmm. so y'all can catch me on there. And I'll yeah, I'll give you my Twitter privately. <laughs> All right, for sure. Yeah. No, I feel like uh I def- I think Sky definitely has like a private one. Mine has my face in it and like uh my first name, but I've definitely had like private uh Twitter profiles as well to just talk my shit, but I just do it with my face now. It's like whatever, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you're a podcaster, it's your job. <laughs> yeah, it's like fuck it. Um, but yeah, anything else, Sky? You want to say bye? You want to close this out? Mm, well, thank you very much, Jessica, for agreeing to do this, and it has been interesting um listening to you to talk because I feel like you guys um are more like I guess affluent and with like political talk and even um just like with what's going on so i i enjoyed listening to you too um and thank you guys this has been fun and yes i agree that we should do this again or i say that we should do this again um <laughs> and um thank you guys for listening to dime um hopefully you guys can catch us on next week's episode hell yeah who knows what we're gonna talk about 